name of Jesus we pray. Let everybody say amen. 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 Come on, give the Lord a hand clap right there at your seats. Amen. Grab your Bibles if you have one. Hold them up real high. I know we're making a change here. Just adjust to the change. Praise the Lord, right? Come on, hold it up real high. Say, this is God's word. Come on, say it like a church. This is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. Not Pastor Sauer's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, two weeks ago, I started an independent message called Living Life with a Pure Heart. Everybody say, Living Life with a Pure Heart. And as I began to do this teaching, this message expanded to the point that we're now on part three of this message called Living Life with a Pure Heart. So if you're taking notes, we're doing part three. We're going to end this independent slash series message today. So if you have your Bibles, go back to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, Proverbs 4:23, and then we're going to go right back to Titus chapter 1, verses 15. Now, the whole purpose of today's message is to remind us and encourage us of things that we already know. Now, here's the thing. If you come into God's house and you know something that's being heard or said, you have to watch how you receive it. Because if you go come in and say, I already know that, then nothing can change you that you already know. In other words, every car needs a, an oil change. Even, you know, after what, 15,000 miles or whatever it is, 3,000, they ask you to change your oil. Well, you can't go in there and say, well, I changed it last month. You have to change it because it needs changing, right? So today's word, I believe you'll grow from it, but it's also going to, going to encourage you. So we've used two verses over the last two and a half weeks for our teaching. So the first one is found in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. And my beautiful bride has joined me today because I want her to insert some things. Hmm? I said has joined me today. Yes. So you all give a hand clap for my bride. I joined in the last like 10 minutes, so just, just put it out there. Just yeah, it well, there. it's all good. Yeah, you know, she just needs to learn how to stay focused when we're up here because she said some things to me while you all were ending prayer that... Let me just give you that look. I was like, babe, right now? To the pure... What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Okay, Proverbs 4.23. Let's get back in the spirit, all right? To the pure, all things in the, pure. In the, in the New Living Translation, it says, Guard your heart above all else. 
For it, your heart, determines the course of your life. Now, the NIRV version, which I haven't read yet, this is what it says. Above everything else, everybody say, above everything else. Above everything else, else, guard your heart. It is where your life comes from. Amen. So, if life flows from our hearts, you and I must make sure that our hearts stay healthy. Now, the second foundational verse we used was in Titus 1.15. This is what it says. Unto the pure, all things are what? Pure. But unto those who are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. Watch this. Even their mind and their conscience is defiled. Now, remember the word pure, we define it as the word clean. That's what it means. Now, the living Bible of Titus 1.15 says this. A person who is pure of heart sees goodness and purity in everything. But a person whose own heart is evil and untrusting finds evil in everything. For his dirty mind and rebellious heart colors all he or she sees and hears. Babe, that is so good because when it says here that they're unbelieving, mm-hmm. now Bishop Hilliard always says a uh, man convinced against his will is of the same Yes. So that just means... I have a mic. Oh, you have a mic? Yes. So so that just means means that you already... If you already are convinced of something, nobody can convince you otherwise. If you see impurity in something, if you're suspect about somebody, it doesn't matter what they do or they try to do, you're already going to see them as that way because you've already predetermined in your mind how that person is going to be or how that situation is going to turn out. So when it's talking about here, if you're defiled... If there's already a defilement. Do you remember that movie? Well, maybe you all don't watch the movie. Inside Out? Okay, it was that kid's movie and it had the person's mind and it had all those emotions in there. And then there was a blue emotion that nobody wanted to be around. It was a sadness emotion. And every time sadness would get near somebody, it would touch and color and totally alter the state of that particular emotion. Wow. It's the same way. When you and I are already defiled because we are mistrusting, because we have wounds, because we are watching from a filtered uh, set of sunglasses, if we have on pink or yellow sunglasses, everything is jaded through that. And many times we project onto people our own suspicions and our own mistrusting and our own insecurities and our own jealousies and our own envies. And we cast them onto other people and nobody can convince you otherwise because your heart is not pure. Right. And here's the thing. It is impossible to walk in the agape love of God with that. That type of heart because the bible says love watch this thinks no evil so when you meet someone if the first thought that comes up is evil either one or two things is happening either you have discerned a devil or you are discerning your own heart someone say amen to that he says, a person who's pure of heart sees goodness and purity in everything. But a person whose heart is evil and untrusting finds evil in everything. For their dirty mind and their rebellious heart colors all that he sees. And that's why you have to watch all of these uh, these sayings and, and these uh, stereotypes. You know, all men are dogs. Well, maybe you need to take off your poodle glasses. Hello? Yeah, poodle. So the only reason we can't see the good of something 
or the purity of something is because our hearts have been contaminated with evil and mistrust. And that's why when you're single, you really have to get your heart together because if you don't, whatever condition your heart is in is the condition you're going to move that and move into a relationship with. So our criticisms and negative thoughts about others is not really about what they have done or not done. The reality of the situation is you and I have allowed the negative experiences of our lives to contaminate our hearts with such things like bitterness and unforgiveness and pain and sorrow and even sarcasm. You have to watch it with that. A lot of people who are sarcastic, is that how I say it? Okay, uh, typically what happens is they're just being that way because it's a subtle position of their heart. You know, one of your friends come up to you and say, girl, I finally got that new car. And you say, girl, you think you're going to be cute in that car. No, you think she's going to be cute in that car. And she's going to be cute in that car. Right. You're like, yes. So let's go to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 because it is difficult to trust God with all of our hearts if all of our hearts are not surrendered to him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in who? In the Lord with some of your heart. Come on, with how much? With all of your heart and lean a lot. Lean not to how you think. Trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? All of your heart. And watch this. If God says for us to trust Him with all of our heart, then that means it's also possible to trust Him with just some of our heart. It is impossible to give someone all of your heart if God doesn't have it. Now, if you give someone all of your heart and God does not have all of your heart, what will happen? That person will become an idol and a God to you. Amen. And this is why now you have to watch it, especially in the dating scene. The reason you lower your standards as a single person is because that person means more to you than the principles of God's Word. Oh, no, 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 no. The reason that you have allowed that person's moral stability or instability to impact you is because they are more important to you at that point in your life than God's Word. Amen, Pastor Reben. Amen. And since we have learned that the cure of a contaminated heart is the Word of God, I want us to see how the Word, when we get it in our hearts and our lives, will free us from spiritual debris. Because a lot of us have spiritual debris. Have you ever gone down the highway and you see, you know, different tires that have come off of cars and different trash that's flying down the road? That's debris. Well, some of us have spiritual debris, and the only thing that's going to clear that up is God's Word. So John 15, 3, this is what Jesus said, and then we're going to move into the lesson today. He says, now you are clean, you are pure through the Word that I have spoken. So the solution to maintaining a pure heart is the Word. Amen. So here's point number one. We have three points this morning. Point number one is you must intake the word before you can partake of its promises. I'm going to say that again. You must intake the word before you partake of its promises. In other words, the word has to get on the inside before you start seeing the external promises on the outside. How many uh, used to get high? Let me see. Yeah, used to get high. All right, that's all? 
Okay, all right. I mean, literally, that's all. Okay, so let me ask this question. How many have smoked a joint before? Let me see your hand. Okay, that's more. Then you got high. What? It was not a trick question. Let me stay focused. Where's Pastor Change? <laughs> so, back in the day, 30-something years ago, when I got high, the substance that I was smoking got on the inside of me. And once it got on the inside of me, depending on the level of its intensity... The quality of the weed or just the amount? No, no, no. Both. Because... There's a different quality. No, no. You can smoke a lot, but if it ain't good stuff, you know. know, You know, in Jamaica, we have that indica weed. Well, I'm just staying in America right now. So back in the day, you know, when I smoked, I would get high. The way that you know that I was high... Because there are different reactions to smoking, okay? And some of y'all who, do, who did it and maybe who do it now, you know, sometimes when you smoke, you get paranoid. Everybody's after you. You drive by the police and you do. It's because what you inhaled on the inside start affecting you on the outside. Well, you and I must intake the word before we can partake of the promises. A lot of us, we want the promises of the word, but we haven't put the promise of the word on the inside. Right. So watch this, Second Peter chapter 1. Let's do this quickly. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3. It says, according as his divine power, God has given unto us All things, watch this now, saints, that pertain to life and what else? Okay, so God doesn't have to release your blessing. It's already been released. We just have to learn how to partake of it. He says he's given us all things that pertain to life, that's the natural, and godliness, that's the spiritual. He says now, watch this, uh, and he says... He's given unto us these things that pertain to life and godliness. And this is how we get those things. Through the knowledge of him that's called us to glory and virtue. So listen, the only way you and I access these promises that help us walk out this life and help us walk out godliness is that we have to have knowledge. Everybody say knowledge. Knowledge. It says, through the knowledge of him who's called us. So you and I, the only way our lives are going to change is that we got to put this knowledge on the inside. And then verse 4 says, whereby are given unto us, watch this, exceeding great and what kind of promises? Precious. Precious promises. And these precious promises, these exceeding great promises, that he says that by these promises, you and I might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world through love. In other words, watch this now, when we put the word in, the word itself has the power to produce the change. When you and I put the word in, see, I, I know you're trying to stop cussing, and that's good. But if you put enough word inside of your heart, you will stop cussing. See, the thing, the word is, the word is like a seed. 
right? And the word is seed. And so when the more that you put it in, the more that it harvests and grows. It's kind of like it, it begins to change your appetite. The more you eat something that you don't like, if you keep eating it, you're eventually going to train your body to like it. Then you'll eventually train your body to love it. And then before you know it, you know, it's, you ever, you ever, there's some people I know that they take garlic all the time for a health thing. And they take it every day. And you can tell that they take garlic every day because it comes out of their pores. Well, the word is the same way. Mm-hmm. The word, the Bible says that, Hebrew says that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So when the word is being spoken and when the word is being uh, absorbed, it can't just be absorbed little by little. It has to be absorbed consistently and constantly. And the more that it happens and it reproduces on the inside of what is already coming. So sometimes we're doing an outside-in job. Like you're saying, you're trying to stop cursing or you're trying to stop doing this or you're trying to stop doing that. Well, we're trying to stop that in our own might and in our own power and in our own ability and with our own strategies. But if we make it from the inside out, then God is building it on the inside. And then before time, you'll get it on the outside. So give yourself a break. Well, I had the well, I had the chance to uh, speak in St. Louis last night or whatever night. The nights are confused, but I was there and they wanted to tell me, uh, ask me about my testimony. And I said to them, I said, you know, the funny thing was when I came to church, I really was the unchurched. I knew nothing. I didn't know why people raised their hands. I didn't know why they looked in the sky at an invisible. I don't know what. It looked crazy to me. I didn't have church clothes. I cursed. I didn't have a church attitude. You know, I was rebellious. I didn't know anything. And majority of the church people judged me because they felt that I was not saved or I wasn't to the the, the degree or whatever. So many of them rejected me. And there was only, you know, a couple of people that understood that it was only a matter of time before the word worked itself out in me. And just because where I was is not where you think I should be doesn't mean the word was not working on the inside of me. And I was able to look back and say to them, listen, when somebody comes in, remember, I came into church in my club clothes. And I was judged, you a hoe, you a this, you a that. No, I'm a person that wants the word. And if you give the word enough, give it a moment. Give people a chance to let that word work on the inside of them. Where you are now is not where you're going to be. If you fell off the banner, get back on. If you slip up, get back in again. Say that word and say, I'm the righteousness of God. Just because you didn't do a right thing doesn't mean that you're not the righteous of God. Just because you didn't do a holy thing doesn't mean you're not the holiness of God. And I want to encourage you today, wherever you are, Put that word on the inside. Don't worry about them. You just keep stepping. You just keep pushing. You just keep pressing. You just keep preaching it to yourself. And let that word put a harvest on the inside of you. And before you know it, you'll look back and go, wow, I've come a mighty long way. Amen. 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 Don't run from God. No. When you mess up, run back to God. See, the word is like Drano. That's right. Come on. You ever seen a Drano commercial? And the clogs, the pipes are clogged up. And all they do is they just pour Drano in the sink. They don't have to make the Drano go down to the clog. The Drano is designed to find the stoppages. When you put the word on the inside, it's designed to find the stoppages. It'll stop the cursing. It'll stop the... Sleeping around? Yes. Come on, come Amen. on. Amen. I'm 
content. You are so powerful to me because I realize we're always at different stages and we just get discouraged because we compare our, our state to somebody else's state. Right. We compare our five minutes to somebody else's five years. We compare our five years to somebody else's 50 years. And that person at 50 years is comparing their 50 years to your five years. But I want to encourage you today. When you keep speaking that word and you keep talking about that get word, it, it goes it on in. the inside of you. It changes your heart. It changes your mind. The Bible says, how shall a young man cleanse his way? But I'm by the word. Him. How does a soul get converted? But by the word. You want your life to change. You want your life to be healthy. You put that word in there and I'm telling you, your next days are going to be way better than your present days if you just stick to it and keep it moving. Stick. Listen, God changed the world with his word. When he saw darkness, he didn't talk, sit around and complain about it. He said, let there be light. And there was what? It says, in the beginning was the word. In the beginning. So wherever you are in your life, if you will just start with the word, it will better your life. Someone say amen to that. Hebrews 4.12, it says, for the word of God, it's quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And the word pierces even to the dividing apart of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And the word is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. Watch the Amplified Version. For the word of God that speaks is alive. It's full of power, making it active and operative and energizing and effective. The word is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, the soul and the immortal spirit and of the joints and marrows of the deepest parts of our nature. It, the, well, listen, the word exposes and sifts and analyzes and judges the very thoughts and the purposes of our heart. The word will do the work if you will just do the work and put the word in you. Amen. Putting the word in me is actually, watch this, putting God's will in me. Many people say, I don't know the will of God. Well, if you put the word of God in you, then the word, watch this now, inside of you will translate his will for your life. And once you understand, listen, God's will, once that happens, then what God wills, watch this now, becomes my will. And once God's will and my will align together, I can ask for whatever I want because whatever I'm asking is going to line up with what he wants. And that's why John 15, 7, they're going to put it on the screen. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, watch this class, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Unto, my, uh, unto you. Watch verse 8. Herein, when you and I abide in him and his words abide in us and we ask what we will, he says, then is God glorified that you bear much fruit so, you, so shall you be my disciples. So here's a take-home statement. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down. The word must take root before it can produce fruit. The word must take root before it can produce fruit. In other words, you can never get a harvest from a seed you never sowed. Amen. So the only way our hearts are going to stay pure and then produce the faith for us to get the word in it. Watch this. The only way that's going to happen to produce change is that we got to get the word on the inside of us. So here's, here's, here's something I want you to think about. 
If you look at the people that you hang around with, you look at and examine the music that you listen to, you look at all the people that you like and you follow on social media, how much impact do those different environments have on your faith life? Does it bring your faith life up or does it bring your faith life down? Because when you put the incorruptible seed, which is the word, in your heart, it will destroy anything that is corruptible in your heart. I'm going to say that again. When you and I put the incorruptible seed in our heart, it will destroy anything that is corruptible in our heart. In other words, I'm going to read 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 23. The best way to change a temporary situation is to apply a permanent solution. See... Whatever you're going through in your life is temporary. Anything that is subject to change is temporary. The weather is temporary. This earth is temporary. And that's why Jesus said, he said, heaven and earth will pass away, but the word won't. So 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 23, it says, being born again, reborn, not of corruptible seed. In other words, not just having another baby, but of incorruptible By the word of God, which lives and abides forever. I want you to notice now, it describes God's word as incorruptible. Verse 24, for all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man is as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, in other words, the natural, the grass withereth, the flower falls away. But watch verse 25, but the word of the Lord endures for how long? Endures forever. This is the word by which we preach the gospel unto you. Luke 21, 33, I said it. It said heaven and earth shall pass away, but the word won't pass away. So you and I must, in fact, just say this with me. Say, I must intake the word before I can partake of the word. Here's point number two if you're taking notes. The word must stay in when you put it in. The word must stay in when you put it in. Matthew chapter 13, verse 18. Now, let me just warn you because just because you hear the word doesn't mean it stayed on the inside of you. Baby, it's like when people, I know you know, uh, when women, predominantly it's women, when they do binge eating. When they what? Binge eat. See what I'm saying right there? Okay. You, didn't, you didn't catch that, right? Mm, yeah. Mm. It's okay. You're a male. Um, <laughs> so binge eaters, they eat and then they go to the bathroom and they throw it up. I thought that was called... No, uh, that, it's, it's binging. It's called binging. That's the act of binging. That's anorexia. Okay, anorexia. Right, but part of the anorexic thing is to binge. Okay. Right? So you eat in front of everybody to make it look like you're really eating. Uh-huh. But then you go to the restroom and you put your little finger down your throat or whatever they do and then they, you throw, throw it back up. up. Right, so it's, that, that's the same thing with the word. When you put the word in, it makes it look like you're eating. <laughs> but there are certain eating. things. Uh-huh. <laughs> But you go back in and dig it up by what you're watching. Mm -hmm. By what you're saying. By what you're saying, by what you're entertaining, by what you're being around. You know, you dig it back up. And so the word doesn't get a chance to take root. Because the Bible talks about, there's a um, a parable. And he talks about that the word was being sown. And that's the verse we're getting ready to read right now. Matthew 13. Watch this, verse 18. (laughs) She's just flowing with the man of God. Look at that. It says, hear therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the wicked one, he the coming. devil. That wicked one coming. 
And he catches away that which was sown where, class? In your heart. Where? In your heart. So where is the word designed to go? In our heart. So you see why we have to keep our heart straight? He says here, when the word comes, the wicked one comes and takes away the word which is sown in their heart. This is, this is he which receives seed by the wayside. The word is seed. So listen, everyone that hears the word doesn't understand the word. And this is why Pastor Evan teaches. This is why I teach because I'm not saying you can't get an understanding any other way. But one of the best ways to understand the word is to teach the word. That's why when you grew up, how many had to go and take algebra as a class in, in school, right? Your, 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 your algebra teacher didn't preach you algebra. Well, they didn't preach you your times and your pluses and your division. And, ah, take the two and divide it into four and you get two. And if you take two plus two, it's four. I said four. I said five. They didn't do that. They didn't do that. You can't get an understanding with that. All it's going to do is excite you. And then you're going to get home and do your homework. And you're not going to know. Your mama going to be like, well, what did the teacher say? Well, he said, far, far. In order for me to sustain the word, I must maintain an understanding. I'm going to say that again. In order for you and I to sustain the word, we must maintain an understanding. Watch verse 20. He says, but he that receives seed or the word in stony places. Now remember, question, where does the word go? In our heart. So when he's talking about stony places, he's talking about a stony heart. He says, and he that receives seed in a stony place or stony hearts is the same person that hears the word and they receive it with what? Joy. That's emotional. And then he doesn't have root in himself. He endures for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, they get offended. So can I just tell you something you might not have known? Some of the reason you're going through some of the stuff you're going through is because of the word. Yes, yes. Notice he says here, for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word. It's not because the devil don't like you even though he don't. He's really just trying to get that word out of you because if it stays in you it's going to produce some fruit and so that's why he sends tribulation that's why he sends persecution you know persecution only works to the degree that you need the acceptance from the person who's persecuting you I'm going to say that again persecution only works To the degree that you need the approval of the person who's persecuting you. If you don't need their approval, then what they say won't bother you at all. It'll really, sticks and stones can break my bones, but what you're saying don't bother me because I don't need your approval. Amen. 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 Let me hurry up here. 
It says, but he that receives seed into good ground. Well, now let's go back to 22. He also that receives seed among the thorns, a thorny heart, a thorny heart, is he that hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches does what, class? Chokes the word and he becomes unfruitful. So you got to watch what you are seeing and what you're hearing and what you are around because some of what you're seeing and hearing is around is choking the word on the inside. People who, who are uh, uh, what I call who walk, who are believing unbelievers are people who can choke the word in you. You say, what do you mean? These are people who they believe in Jesus, but they don't believe the Bible in totality. You say, what do you mean? All right, you believe that God's word says that healing belongs to you. And so, unbelieving believers are people like, girl, you just need to go on to the pharmacy, or man, you need to go on and get, you know. And, and I'm not against medicine, and I'm not against doctors, but why don't you take your word prescription before you go to the doctor and get a prescription? And so people who, who, uh, who receive it in thorny, uh, ground. These are people who the things choke out the word. Verse 23. He that receives seed in the good ground is those that hear the word. They understand it. They bear fruit and they bring forth, watch this, 30, 60, and 100 fold. So my degree of manifestation, watch this, is based on now my ability to produce fruit. My ability to produce fruit is based on my ability to receive the word and keep the word. Because you can't produce fruit if you don't. So, But it says here on your understanding. So it's all based on your understanding. You've got to have an understanding. That's, that's base one. Standing. What is under my standing? What is under your standing? Correct. So if I'm going to stand on the promise of God or on the word of God, if I'm going to stand, if what is under what I'm trying to stand on is the cares of this world, the anxiety, the stress, the pressure, then I'm going to fall over. But to the degree that I understand is how it's get rooted in my heart based on the scripture. Mm-hmm. So what has to be, whatever I'm standing on, if I'm standing for my marriage, if I'm standing for my money, if I'm standing for my next thing, if underneath that is really a heart that is contaminated with fear and worry and anxiety, then I'm going to topple over and that word is never going to take root. So when the wicked one comes because of the word that was preached, it's easy for him to snatch it because what's under my standing is not the word. Wow. Yeah. Very good. So we need to be understanding. Because so faith is a foundation. Faith is a foundation of things foundation. hoped for. It the says faith is a substance of things hoped for. <laughs> So that's what's under it, faith. Right. The, and it says yeah. faith is the substance of things hoped for. When you look at the word substance, it means foundation. All right. So let's go to point three as we close here. Yeah. Here's point three. When the word gets internal, change will take place external. I'll say that again. When the word gets internal, change will take place external. Now, when, when I'm talking about doing the word, that's just another word that's a cuss word in the Christian world called obedience. That's, 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 you know, we don't like that word. But when we're talking about being doers of the word, we're just talking about obedience. And there are four different responses to obedience. Here's the first response to obedience is emotional-based response. Now, this is where our feelings dictate our actions. 
It's when we make choices based on our feelings and not by our faith. These are sense-driven or senses-driven decisions. These are decisions that we make based on how we feel. Amen. Emotional reactions to obedience normally result in short-term satisfaction but have negative long-term consequences. And that's why you have to, you know, when it comes to uh, making emotional decisions, I tell people, when you're in a crisis, don't make major decisions. Come down. Let the dust settle before you do that. Amen. Here's a second uh, type of, uh, of response to the word obedience, situational-based response. And this is where our obedience is based on what is going on in in and around our lives instead of responding to what we know is right. This is when we react to what's happening to us. Amen. You have to have the word so deep inside that when you're being agitated, you stick with the word. And Martha and Mary and um, Lazarus were dead. You know, remember he was dead and Mary, Martha ran out and said, hey, you know, uh, why did you take so long to come? And it was a crisis and the Bible talks about Lazarus was somebody that Jesus loved. And so when he had first heard the news, he didn't do anything. He didn't move. He stayed a little bit longer and they were wondering, why didn't you come? Now he's all dead and they're panicking. And Jesus was like, that don't change nothing. The crisis is not going to change. So Jesus didn't react to it emotionally or situationally. He was just like, I'm here though. The look, word has shown up. The look, situation can change when the word show up. The, listen, years ago, if I say years ago. Years ago. Years ago, uh, I don't know what Pastor Sarah was, but uh, she might have been somewhere at the fair, but I was with heaven. And so we were in a funnel cake line. And, you know, I like some funnel cake. How many like some funnel cake? Man, I like some funnel cake. And that line was long. And so we're in this long line and we're inching up, inching up. And when I got like maybe three people from, from the counter... This guy decides he wants to, you know, get in front of me. And, you know, I could tell he was from the hood. But he don't know where I'm from. Oh, you're from the hutch, babe. Your hutch is too much. Stop. See, that's sarcastic right there. That's sarcasm right there. See that? She hating on Hutchins. Why you want to hate on Hutchins? Hutchins ain't done nothing to you. Can anything good come out of Hutchins? Praise the Lord. It came out of Overton, baby. So anyway, so I see that this guy is getting ready to try to jump in front of me. So I might as well just head him off at the pass. I say, I, say, I know you ain't going to try to get in front of me. And he said, what you going to do? Oh, it's on then. What are we going to do? What, we, what am I going to do now? I got heaven with me. I can't back up now. And he had his girlfriend with him, too. She, she was a hood rat. I mean, it was for real, right? No, she was a hood rat. For real. So, no, it's the truth. I can't lie on the stage. So, so he says, what you going to do? I said, get in front of me and see. How many know he skipped the person behind me? He sure did. So I said, this week, this week, I was faced with another situation. I can't. But see, I got some word in me from the fair part to now. 
And this particular person, it was a business thing too. And this person started yelling on the phone. Talking about, oh, you supposed to be a pastor. And y'all have been so proud. I was so calm. I said, well, you're the one yelling. I said, you're the one that's judging me. And well, I said, you know what, ma'am? You won't even have to talk to me again. You're just going to receive some papers in the mail. Lawsuit papers in the mail. I stay calm. Now, the old me, the old me would have stayed on the phone and found where she was at. Hello? Who's there? You know who it is. But I didn't do that because I got the word inside. I got the word inside. Okay, so here we go. It's only been about 15 years, but let's, let's then, just keep going. Then we have a promise-driven response. This is oh, when God. our obedience, uh, when a person chooses to obey the word, knowing that God's going to reward them for what they're doing. Amen. That's a principle-based response. Yeah. That's when God tells you to do something and you don't understand. That's when he told Peter, hey, go fishing anyway. I know you've been fishing all night, but I want you to go fishing. And then, uh, that's like when God told me to quit my job in corporate America to go to Bible school. And then here's the last one. It's principle-driven response. And this is where I'm trying to get our church. This is the type of response of obedience to where you and I choose to obey God because it's the right thing to do knowing God is going to work it out for our good. A principle-based response doesn't need to have anything external for it to do what it needs to do internal. It doesn't need any external motivation. You do the right thing because it's the right thing. You do the right thing because it's the right thing. Correct. And when you reach that level, That's the level that your flesh doesn't like, but it appreciates. See, the flesh doesn't like the tithe, but the flesh loves the favor and the blessings of the Lord. Oh, it sure do. See, the flesh doesn't like uh, maintaining its its moral uh, position. If you're a single person, the flesh wants to sleep around. But how many know the flesh loves not having AIDS? Amen. The flesh sure loved that. <laughs> so with every head bow, every eye closed, I believe God wants us as a church to make, to recommit to his word. What does that mean? I want you to think about how much time you spend in his word. Can you do more? Can you read more? Can you hear more? Can you confess more? Can you obey more? I just believe today is a day for us to recommit to his word. And there may be some people here, right here, under the sound of my voice, that you need to first accept Jesus as your personal savior because this word of salvation is for you. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. In order for you to partake of these divine promises, I've been teaching.